College Radio Day presents College Radio, its past, present and future. I'm Rob Quick. This is part three of a three-part series on College Radio, specially produced for College Radio Day. This final part looks at the future of College Radio, where we are heading and what issues confront College Radio stations in North America. Trying to predict what College Radio will look like in 20 years is probably impossible, but in this feature, numerous experts and College Radio professionals will explore where we might be heading in the next five years. It seems that one thing we can all agree on is that the changes and the challenges that College Radio has faced in the last year are probably set to continue. This feature looks at those changes, asks what College Radio stations can do to ensure their own survival, and then looks at the long-term future of College Radio. Jack Bonney is the current full-time general manager for the campus radio station WUAG 103.1 FM at the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. Or should I say he was the general manager? All that changed in July of this year after a solid run of success. I became full-time general manager in uh, March of 2003. And during the years, no problems. A lot of events on and off campus became most popular station in the market. And uh, unfortunately, due to about a 15% budget cut university-wide, the university cut over 250 employees, and I was one of those employees to get cut. Um, my last day was this past July 31st. Difficult economic times have meant that colleges and universities throughout North America have had to make hard decisions about what budget cuts to make and where to make them. In Bonnie's opinion, the idea of no longer having a full-time general manager to run the station was an acceptable choice by the university. I think they looked at it in the sense of, you know, not all college stations have full-time general managers. I think they just viewed it as, you know, we survived with it before, with students running it, we can do that again. So where does that leave Jack Bonney? I am out of a job, um, and again, I don't see the possibility of getting another sort of general manager position at another college station because they are few and far between. So I'm looking primarily in related fields, such as something with the music industry. So something, something in that field, hopefully. Got my fingers crossed. Perhaps more than most people, Bonnie is in a unique position to reflect upon what changes have occurred to the larger college radio community in the last year, particularly the selling off of Rice University, Vanderbilt University, and the University of San Francisco's FM college radio stations. Well, I think it's atrocious what's happened and sort of shocking, just more along the lines of, of really upsetting in that these universities, the three in particular, Rice, San Francisco, and Vanderbilt, selling their stations without really thinking about the consequences and the history of what college radio is about. I mean, Vanderbilt was around for 60 years. If you ask the alumni uh, and the current students that are involved with that station, they'll, they'll tell you, I'm sure, that it was probably one of the highlights of their college experience. So we seem to be entering into a time when even a college radio station with a very impressive collected history of broadcasting and with strong local ties to a community could be vulnerable to the idea of being sold off. Joey Yang, station manager of KTRU-FM at Rice University, was a key witness to the station being sold off, despite the strong protests of many students and alumni. As this now has happened at other stations in America, could this possibly be a trend? Unfortunately, I really think it's about to become a trend. And the challenge is then for radio stations and for students to demonstrate to universities why they're worth keeping around and what they're doing and to make that more known and more obvious. If this is a trend, then how recently did this idea of selling off college radio stations develop? It seems just recently, and when I say recently, I mean like in the last few years, that it's become sort of an option. That's Dr. Candace Walton, president of College Broadcasters, Inc., an organization that represents students involved with media 
and has as part of its mission to promote the student pursuit of excellence through active involvement in electronic media. It seems to be on the list of choices for fundraisings for university, and I, and I, I think so. It's just really been of late that I've noticed that um, universities and colleges seem to be looking at their broadcast facilities, specifically their radio operations, as, as something that could raise revenue for the university operations budget, and that's alarming. Jennifer Waits is the college radio and culture editor at radiosurvivor.com. She believes there are two reasons for these recent changes. I think there are two main things at play right now. Obviously, the entire country is going through economic challenges, and educational institutions are having their own challenges. So I think we've seen evidence of a lot of universities making hard choices and eliminating things like specific sports programs and departments. And along with that, they've been looking at radio stations. But the selling off of college radio stations is not entirely because of difficult economic times. Waits believes that there are organisations out there that see a clear opportunity in the midst of financial crisis. The other factor is that there are some radio groups out there who have money and are trying to expand their presence on the non-commercial side of the dial. So they're approaching these vulnerable universities with offers of cash, quick cash, for your radio station. So I think it's unfortunate that these two trends are colliding at the same time. So there are many people who have described this current time as being a crisis for college radio. Chris Thomas is not one of them. I wouldn't say college radio is in a crisis. I think awareness definitely needs to be raised about college radio for sure. Chris Thomas is the president of the Intercollegiate Broadcasting System, an organization founded over 70 years ago to serve the interests of student broadcasters. College radio in general, actually, I believe is experiencing a growth period, uh, maybe not in a terrestrial sense, FM and AM per se, but with the boom of internet radio, you're actually seeing an increase in college radio in the last couple of years. Not in a traditional sense, but for today's college students, a lot of them are going the streaming route for their listening pleasure and, of course, for their working pleasure as well. So if college radio is in a period of growth, why is it that the message that seems to dominate those involved in college radio is one of crisis and gloom? Chris Thomas firmly lays the blame on the media and the coverage of what college radio is going through. You know, when the big guys fall, it makes the news. And unfortunately, that's what gets uh, portrayed here in the media lately is the negative side of college radio, that stations are getting sold and they're not being supported by the students. When in reality, for every one station that may have closed this year, probably 10 or 15 or 20 may have went on the air, either in a traditional or non-traditional sense through web streaming, for example. And I don't know if they're making a mountain out of a molehill necessarily, but they're going with what the big story is. And we've unfortunately lost some big radio stations lately. But I think the overall college radio is in a growth period, and I think it's just not the, not the growth period of 1970s growth period when more FM stations are coming on the air. It's just going online and not traditional, but, you know, that ex- radio experience is radio experience nonetheless. So whilst there is debate as to whether the recent changes in college radio represents a real crisis, all seem to agree that college radio stations need to be doing more to protect themselves from being sold off by their college or university. What can college radio stations do to ensure themselves against closure? For Joey Yang, the best method is to create a high profile on campus. The easiest thing for a radio station to do is just to become more visible around campus, to throw concerts, to promote events, in in some cases to broadcast uh, lectures or sporting events, things that students are interested in. By having the students' approval, you know, the university will, will look at a radio station and see it as an asset. 
For Jennifer Waits from Radiosurvivor.com, the key to survival is in creating relationships with other on-campus organizations. A lot of people have suggested just that you reach out to a lot of different departments on your university campus to make sure that you have a lot of allies in case something does go down, then then you've got friends in a number of different departments and the administration, and you have more people kind of uh, batting for you. There are others, though, who argue that stations should not be fighting to survive, or at least have a problem with the word fight. In some ways, I think fight's the wrong word. That's Mark Mabin, general manager of WSOU-FM at Seton Hall University, New Jersey. What stations really should be doing to protect themselves is building broader productive partnerships with their parent. You know, any license holder wants to make sure that they're getting value for their license, that they're getting a return on their investment. In the case of college stations, that's not going to boil down necessarily to a dollar figure, uh, but it will be in both tangible and intangible things that the stations can do for their communities and for the campus and for the administration. And the best way to fight off, as, as you ask, a sale of the station is to just um, make sure you have great working relationships with your campus community and they know, hey, if we get rid of this thing, we're going to lose this, this and this. Becoming an asset to your college or university can be achieved in many different ways. That could be that you're uh, running spots all the time, encouraging people to attend your particular college or university and maybe making sure that you have faculty members uh, that are regularly coming through uh, the station or being highlighted in some ways in your, in your programming. Candace Walton from College Broadcasters, Inc. also sees the importance of gaining the support of those students who have gone before. I think that the best thing you can do is to build up your alumni base to make sure that your the people who donate to your campus are talking to the administration about uh, how important college radio is um, and was for them as part of their educational career, and then extend that further. Why? Why should college radio be um, at your campus? Um, and I think the alumni are important, and that's why, why I, I said them first. The alumni are important because they are stakeholders in your university for the rest of their lives, and that is a very, very powerful voice. Many college radio stations have created successive generations of alumni who have indeed gone into professional broadcasting and who can also attest to the powerful and inspirational start that college radio gave them. I got my start in college radio, and I would have to say that college radio determined what I did with the rest of my life. That's Kathy Millar, alumni of William Patterson University in Wayne, New Jersey, and its radio station WPSC, and now a professional radio broadcaster whose career has included both New York City markets and many stations in New Jersey. College radio is extremely important because that's where you get your experience. That's where you get to make your mistakes. That's where you get to figure out if it's for you. That's where you form the camaraderie and the bonds, and that's where you get to experiment. Usually when you move into, quote, real radio or professional radio, you have more restrictions placed on you. College radio leaves the door wide open. In Malar's view, getting students in the station is vitally important. I think the students have to take the initiative and make sure that their college radio stations are staffed 24-7-365. Of course, not all college stations have a full roster of staff, and many do not broadcast live 24 hours a day. For Jennifer Waits, the temptation to use automation is understandable, but can be dangerous in the message that it sends to the college administration. Some people are going to disagree with me on this, but I think that automation is a really dangerous thing, and the more automated programming you have, I think that's going to put you in more danger with your university because it's going to show that, oh, you know, you don't have enough programmers to be on the air, so 
you know, why do you deserve to have this frequency? The advent of new technology over the last decade has undoubtedly had an impact upon those who listen to college radio. Personal listening habits have changed. Scott Wager is the general manager of WDCB-FM at the College of DuPage in Illinois. We have people with the iPod or the MP3 players or the, the uh, smartphones that allow them access. So it's forcing us to make some changes in our theory of how we operate. One of the base theories continues to be, however, and the, one of the overriding concepts is the fact that we're local, that we maintain our localism, which I think is a key to what we're about uh, as an industry. And our commercial brethren are losing that concept. Providing local news and information and engaging with those people who live in the local community is perhaps the best way that College Radio can forge strong links to those people who live nearby and also highlight the difference between what College Radio offers and what commercial radio does not. Kathy Millar, who works in commercial radio. There might be a student out there who comes up with the idea that changes the way radio is put together and maybe saves radio itself because, you know, everybody thinks that when radio radio is going to fall by the wayside because people are listening to their own music. I think commercial radio has lost its edge because a lot of it has become homogenized. When it returns to, and I believe that it will, when it returns to local radio, the importance of what's happening in the community, when it's got its finger back on the pulse of local community, that is when radio is going to shine again. And I can't wait. Aside from these ideas, there are also a number of initiatives that have taken place over the last year to highlight the issue of college radio stations being sold. One such idea was the National Minute of Silence that College Broadcasters Inc. organised in April of this year. The idea galvanised the college radio community and provided an important moment of national unity. Candice Walton, how the idea began. The board has a monthly conference call and... We're just brainstorming ideas of what can what can we do as a as a small group of very passionate college radio advisors and, and television advisors. What can we do to make a difference? You know, how can we make an in- impact? And a friendly voice on the call, and I can't recall who it was. Um, a friendly voice on the call said, "How about a minute of silence?" And and, and the, the the call fell to its own silence and. I spoke up and I said, that is a very good idea. And I, I volunteered to step up and take lead on, on the project um, with support, obviously, from all of the members of the board. And we just ran with it. We did the best we could with the limited amount of time that we had. With the rise of social media, the news that a minute of silence was happening soon spread across the country. Now college radio stations were using social media and other online tools to harness the passion and energy for college radio into a joint declaration that decried the selling of stations such as KUSF, KUTR and WRVU. This is an exciting new territory for college radio. Joey Yang. I really think that you know, with, with the new kind of social media, with new ways of broadcasting, you'll, you'll see college radio expand into a different arena where it's not just you know, delivery of music, but it's an entire content taste delivery mechanism. I'm really excited to see what radio stations are going to do and in what ways they're going to engage their audiences. Therefore, technology could be the solution and the salvation for college radio stations that do lose their FM licenses, as Candace Walton explains. I think the biggest impact that technology has on radio is that it will keep folks interested in what we're doing. Um, radio is changing. There, there are so many different little facets about um, how radio works. Radio in and of itself is a pretty simple concept. 
Um, but that isn't the way it works anymore. We've got broadcast engineers that are doing amazing things, things that almost seem magic. And, and through that, I think that we're going to be able to keep young people interested in what's going on in radio. WSOU's Mark Maben describes how the fluidity of technology and the flexibility of college radio stations in using it could ensure their survival. So perhaps predictions of doom and gloom are premature. Radio is proving itself to be very nimble in responding to the changing media landscape. And despite yet another prediction of the death of radio, we're finding that uh, the audience uh, grew by almost 2 million people uh, nationwide listening to the radio in 2010. Uh, The strongest growing demographic within that um, 2 million additional listeners were those 18 to 34-year-olds. So radio still has a following. Uh, Radio still reaches uh, 93% of all Americans every week. And college radio is right in that equation and part of it. So what does the future hold for college radio? Jennifer Waits believes that it's perhaps time to remind people of the core mission of college radio, to even remind people that college radio still exists at all. I think, you know, I think there are people that forget about it. They maybe have lost sight of it. They've moved on to other things. But college radio is still there and it's still thriving. I don't think it has no listeners. I think that's false. And also, I think the non-commercial spectrum is set aside for, for channels that might not have a huge audience, and I think that's okay. It's nice to have stations that serve more of a niche audience, and I think that's one of the great things about college radio. This view is also shared by Candace Walton. Well, I don't think that um, college radio exists purely to gain an audience. I do think that that's a nice outcome if we're doing our job correctly, that people will be interested in in tuning in. But I think the fundamental purpose for having a college radio runs much deeper than, hey, how many people are listening? You know, one, two, three, four, five, six, and up the chain. I think that the purpose of college radio is as an educational tool for our students, our faculty, our administration, and as a potential outreach that goes larger than that. Walter would like to remind college administrators that it's not all about the numbers, especially when they might like to assert that college radio has little to no audience. It's very frustrating to um, have people just bottom line the number that way. You don't hear um, those same folks making an argument about the number of people that um, read the newsletter that comes out of HR in the department. You don't hear that same sort of argument coming out um, about how many people are are participating in other activities. They don't cancel um, the football program because attendance isn't up. So finally, as we look back to what has happened over the last year, what can we say about the future of college radio and where it's heading? Will college radio still be around in the future? Well, absolutely college radio is going to be around. It's not going to go away. Do I think we have challenges coming up in the immediate and, and even into the extended future? Yes. Um, I think there there are definitely parties that are interested in causing more problems for college radio. Absolutely. Do I think we're going to get through it? Yeah, because we're radio, and radio is very important. Chris Thomas, president of IBS, also shares this defiant optimism. We believe that college radio has a future. It might not be the future that we all know now, and it might not have been the future we thought it was going to be, but the world is always changing, media is always changing, and I think college radio is going to continue to grow, and it's just going to be how do we adapt to it. What about a future scenario that sees more college radio stations also losing their FM licenses? We're not all going to have FM licenses anymore, and maybe some stations will even lose theirs and end up online. But you make the best with what you got, and I believe college radio is just going to continue to evolve and adapt and uh, 
you know, change with the changing times. So I think it's in a, I think it's in a good spot. And that brings us to the end. The aim of College Radio Day is to raise a greater national awareness of the many college and high school radio stations by encouraging people who would not normally listen to college radio to do so on this day. It is hoped that those people who do tune in and like what they hear, they stay listening. College Radio Day is just one idea in a time when there are many other good ideas and college radio stations are now finally coming together. As Joey Yang says... College Radio Day. I'm really excited for it. You know, I think it's going to be a great, great way for college radio stations to celebrate why they're doing the things they're doing. You know, why you know students across the country are, you know, are spending their time, you know, working for a college radio station. You know, to appreciate it even more because there's a lot of cool stuff that students around the country are doing, and uh, it's going to be a great way to showcase all that. Chris Thomas also sees how College Radio Day is bringing stations together. I love College Radio Day. It's such a great idea to help get the word out, not just about your individual station, but about the collective power that college radio can have when we all work together. And that's the final point. When college radio stations come together, they are realizing that there is a bond that exists between them that is providing hope and excitement for the future. As Jennifer Waite says... That's the cool thing about College Radio Day and some of the other actions that stations have done in the past year where they've come together celebrate or to protest. That's one of the really positive things that's come out of this crisis this year is that more and more stations are talking to each other, making friends, we're realizing we're not competitors, we're realizing we can learn from each other. That's heartening to me that College Radio is really coming together right now. College Radio is coming together in ways like never before. And I have to say, for those people who've written College Radio off, you'd better watch out. College Radio, its past, present, and future, was written, narrated, and produced by Len O'Kelly, Peter Creighton, and Rob Quick. The executive producer was Rob Quick. Music featured in Part 1 was by Relentless Babies. Music featured in Part 3 was Collide by 100,000 Welcomes. For more information about College Radio Day, please visit collegeradioday.com.